welcome to episode number 109 of the Video Game History Hour, presented by the Video Game History Foundation. Every episode, we bring in an expert guest, someone who's done their research or lived through it and has an interesting story or topic from video game history to tell. My name is Kelsey Lewitt. I am the co-director of the Video Game History Foundation, and I'm here, as always, with Frank Cifaldi, the founder and co-director of the Video Game History Foundation. And joining us here once again from the excellent site Time Extension is uh, writer and journalist Jack Yarwood. Jack, welcome back. Hello. Hi. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Uh, yeah. Third time, I believe. Uh, yeah, one yeah. of the nice things about, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I like that I, I'm, I'm hitting a point at our 109th episode where it's like, I literally don't know how many times you've been on this show. Like, we're yeah. past that. Now. We're, pa- we're past the limits of human memory on the video game <laughs> you're, history you're hour. The... That makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, you're one of the people that falls into the several category. Right, like... exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Jack, uh, you're here today to talk to us about logos. Uh, you've been doing some research lately on on where video game logos came from. Um, and we're going to talk quite a bit about that. But uh, uh, framing that uh, is going to be two articles that you wrote on Time Extension. Links in the show notes, I promise. Um, two logos with stylized R's that were made to be physical objects. <laughs> Like is the theme of this show. Uh, so we're going to be talking today about the 90s Rareware logo and the famous Rockstar's logo, Rockstar logo, also from the 90s, but still current because it's that dang good. So let's just start with, I mean, why are you looking into logos? Where's this coming from? And has anyone done this before? I'm sure there's been like a, a ton of people who've kind of looked into this stuff before, but um, I guess... I don't know. With video game history, you can never really say that. <laughs> like, you actually... I'm sure you're not the first person to look into logos in general, but like, I don't know. Like, that's not a question that's asked very often. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for the reason it came up with time extension is that we do cover stuff that tends to be like kind of like history based but also some stuff that's more kind of like consumer nostalgia based like and i feel like um because i mean as part of it as part of something that's unpublished um i spoke to seamus buckley about xbox kind of logo and how that came about the bread guy Uh, yeah the the (laughs) bread guy yeah uh and he was he was saying you know this is something that we don't typically care about in the games industry as we're we're making it like we just care about like the product side uh but it seems to be like years later you know that people grow attached to these brands and you know they want to know like who made like these logos who made the rockstar logo because they see it everywhere and people have an attachment to it you know they buy products with it like and uh I mean, even with the case of Rockstar, it was designed to be a sticker. So it's like, um, you know, people people are designed to kind of interact with it. And uh, yeah, I guess with um, the the explanation about about why I started looking into it was it was essentially I just kind of wanted to to find out like who these people were and kind of what stories were there because it seems like. Um, yeah, if these stories haven't been covered before, then maybe there's kind of a yeah other stories that kind of go along with that. And um, yeah, and I've, it started as a, an idea for a simple list feature, and it's kind of turned into kind of several features now. And uh, yeah, it's still kind of growing and kind of looking into more and more people kind of 
and companies and kind of how they've come about? It's not just a simple list feature, I guess, because the answer is not always simple. Is that kind of what you're finding? That like when you when you ask yeah. like who made this logo, it's not just like ah, it was Bob over here. Case closed, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, and like the further back you go, the harder it becomes. So another logo that I've sort of been looking into, and I'm still looking into, is Ocean Software's logo because uh, they're a Manchester company. I'm based in like Manchester and. I've always kind of wanted to know who did the logo and people have talked for years about the logo, but if they talk about the logo, it's usually in reference to um, the artist, Bob Wakelin. Uh, He did kind of a refresh of the logo, um, which is kind of glossier and kind of the ultimate form of that logo. But that logo kind of already existed. And I think he even said in the past that it was like, designed by just there was a shop on like uh, a street in Manchester that and there were tons of shops on on uh, like a central street in Manchester that just did design work and they did it by hand and that information is like how do you find that person now because they probably have <laughs> no ties to the games industry at all um, and the same thing happened when I was looking into uh, Revolution um, Software's logo it was like it was a graphic design firm in Hull <laughs> and the name sadly lost to them and it's like well how do you find that information now and a lot of that stuff is kind of why it hasn't been really simple to look into it because you kind of yeah you're 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 talking to people and then you get these kind of leads for other things and you have to think kind of unconventionally about like all right now we need to to find out who was designing logos at this point um in point in time and kind of try and track down these people if they're st- still even around. Well, I mean, I can speak to that random design firm thing. Um, Digital Eclipse, my former employer, their original logo from uh, 1992. Um, so w- when I worked there, we were in the same, uh, essentially the same suite. Um, Kelsey, you've been there. You, you know this building. Um that that they were in since 92 it's like an office building they'd moved suites a couple of times but the designer of the original digital eclipse logo if you can imagine it which is a pixelated eclipse and then uh uh the uh, the, the font underneath just says digital eclipse and um that was a graphic design company run by two people that was uh two suites down in the building um and yeah so you know when i when i refreshed the logo in i think 2016 um you know i, I kind of did a first pass on it and i went to the ceo andrew and he's like oh you should take this to and i don't even remember her name uh she's next door <laughs> she did See, the original this is how it happens <laughs> <laughs> have her refresh it and she and she did and um that studio is now closed down i think they retired but like i couldn't even tell you the name and like I was directly involved, you know, like I could tell you the building it was in. And if I walk over there, I think I could point at which door it was. <laughs> you know? but, yeah. but, but other and from than that, there, you can reference like ancient uh, <laughs> yellow pages or something right. like, yeah, <laughs> I have a this is not related, but I just had a thought for the first time, which is that the old digital eclipse logo is it's not the same design or anything, but it looks very similar to Mike Mendheim's studio logo, uh, Digital Dreams. And I just like, I guess I had been mashing the two together in my head this entire time. 
not the two studios, but like they shared one logo in my head and it's because <laughs> they are weirdly similar. I, th- I think that that probably speaks to just trends at the time, right? It's like a, oh, I'm a, sure. yeah. a vertical I mean, logo well, white it's on just, black. Yeah, yeah, it's the same with uh, Rockstar though, with the, the Rockstar yeah. logo. Um, when I first started looking into it, um, I I basically reached out to yeah any anyone who kind of worked at Take Two as it became Rockstar as as a label, and um, one of the people that I reached out to was like, oh maybe it's like Eric Hayes uh, who's like a New York artist, and they also mentioned um, some of these logos that they were like, oh this is definitely the influence. It's like this obscure like New York rock band, and it's got a star in, so it must be the Rockstar, <laughs> and, and it's got an R in, so it must be like the influence. And then, like, as I actually found out, and I found out through um, actually got the uh, the tip kind of through reading um, Jack, the Outlaw story of GTA, where uh, David Kushner actually mentions that it is Jeremy Blake who designed it, um, but he doesn't give like a quote or anything, kind of, because because I guess in his mind it wasn't a particularly big kind of. Revelation. It was just like part of the story that he was trying to tell, uh, and from there, I I managed to reach out, or someone that I did reach out to already uh, got in touch and was like, "Oh, and I co-designed it. We were both like the uh, the <laughs> the uh, the only artists at Rockstar or at Take Two as it became Rockstar, and we both did it. And the other person was uh, Karen Scott, who worked on a lot of the." kind of packaging materials and stuff like GTA 2 and kind of for the games that Rockstar were doing as it kind of started up as, yeah, it's just as like a, a, a small start. Um, so actually I wanted to share, I'll, I'll put a link in chat. Um, you'll probably have to download it because it's a TIFF file, which is not typically native to browsers. But, um, you know, we, we had uploaded a really early press kit from Rockstar and these are early logo designs. Um, which I don't know that you've seen. Yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> so yeah, because um, they, uh, yeah, they did a lot for. Um... This had to be the work of of the two people you're talking about. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, yeah. okay, for everyone's listening like via <laughs> audio, so like, let's describe what we're looking at here, which is, I mean, I see like. <laughs> several different iterations of a Rockstar logo here. We've got well, and I want to start type. with the keywords on the bottom here, right? Like, cause like, this is, this is what they're going for, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I don't know. Is it fun to go like, like round table? Like I, I read one, someone reads the next one. But, okay. Rockstar keywords. Uh, I will start hotel room in parentheses, trashed. Pill. <laughs> Backstage. <laughs> Noise sunglasses i had to get this one groupie <laughs> limo <laughs> revolution is oh, sorry is groupie not a word in in the uk is that like a very american word no we we yeah it's, we know it okay. <laughs> <laughs> i'm learning all about british dialect today or this week because i'm playing the new xenoblade chronicles Three DLC oh, and yes, uh, one of the that. combat barks yeah. is I'm feeling full of beans and I absolutely did not realize that was a real phrase. I thought yeah, we have funny. like 15 <laughs> different words to describe being full of energy. <laughs> it's like it's just <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I can imagine that was was probably a bit confusing to you, but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do recognize like 
this particular art style. Uh, we skipped two words, folks. Revolution oh, and youth. <laughs> okay, yeah, go yeah. back to what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, so, so basically, um, a big thing that um, Karen said to me that was like a big influence, because she said it wasn't really... The logo itself, the Rockstar logo, wasn't really indicative of like her style. It was very much like um, Jeremy Blake's like sensibilities as like a an artist. So, um, one of the big influences for him was like early kind of seventies kind of rock music and um, a lot of like sixties fashion designers. Which kind of considering GTA London was like you know it was designed uh, or like created by Rockstar Canada, but it was kind of conceived by Rockstar New York. And you can kind of see why they you know like Sam Hauser and like Jeremy Blake and and things basically decided to do kind of that kind of game which is kind of throwing back to those eras well uh, and you and you can see that influence in these early treatments you know like there's um the sort of like french art thing on the top that that's very like 60s 70s rock and roll like like jethro tull comes to mind for yeah. me i don't know why um lower left you have like someone in basically like john lennon glasses right um like wearing a shirt that says rockstar on it like like you, you you can see where this comes from and um we should we'll figure out a way to get this image directly linked in the show notes too but you know it, it, it's kind of neat seeing the evolution where they start adding a star to it where, where they sort of change the typeface and things like that um but anyway yeah sorry to like i was interrupting so basically that was the influence right like yeah that and- era of rock and roll that sort of like almost famous era right of, yeah, of rock like, and roll um, is what they're going for and like even the color that they use like i think there's like a hint of it in this um in in this kind of collection of logos is that like orangey kind of color that kind of goes behind the logo is like apparently a reference to kind of colors that were being used by rock bands at the time um but I think the other big influence, uh, as they told me, was like kind of just like it has to be something that we can have in tons of different contexts. And um, a big reason for that was just that when Rockstar started, it was uh, it was basically like a nobody company. Like it, it was a startup that was inside of Take Two. And um, yeah, nobody really expected that it would... Um, it become like what it is today. So a big thing was, yeah, like creating stickers so that you could basically include them in the games. Like early Rockstar games, you would um, you would open them up and they would have like stickers inside. So people would go out and spread the word by like slamming it on like, you know, like uh, whatever, like lampposts and all sorts of things. Um, and that was very much by design. And um, yeah. So, so it's basically, I think that was pretty much the side that Karen really contributed to was it's got to work in all these different kind of contexts of like, you know, it's a flyer, it's a, it's a, a sticker, it's a t-shirt, it's like a cap, it's, and basically just kind of making sure that the form factor works in all those different kind of, um, yeah, contexts. And, um, yeah. And, and like, it's, I'm, you can definitely see like the uh yeah like you can see kind of the influence of those kind of like 70s and 60s like rock bands in uh in some of the the stuff that's yeah is part of this thing that no one can see <laughs> unless you'd like link it i mean it's it's very 
consistent as like a sort of lifestyle brand from the very beginning, which I I think is, you know, like they're very effective at that. They they did everything from the stickers to like the, um, you know, posters when you start getting into like GTA three and that sort of thing. And um, it, it, I don't know, it strikes me as something that like, I am surprised was just a couple of people in a room and not like, you know, hiring big brand management company to, yeah, to do well, because it, it, it worked very well. Yeah, well, they came from a digital agency. They both worked together at Nicholson, New York. And the funny thing was that they both got a job at Rockstar pretty much because something bad happened at Nicholson in terms of they, I think they did a project for the Museum of Modern Art or something and it went over budget and they lost a ton of clients and it was like, okay, well, we're we're downsizing or we're, we're having layoffs. And uh, I think it was, she mentioned that it was uh, Jeremy Blake who met uh, Sam Hauser at one of his art shows and uh, Sam Hauser was just like you know we're starting up this new startup and we need like an artist so come on board and then because he pretty much sat next to Karen it was like you know you come along too and you can be part of the startup and it was funny for them because when they started working at Rockstar it was pretty much just a cupboard <laughs> like a you know like it was yeah. a closet at take two where it was like this is you know what they're doing over there and uh, I think she even told me that she was like her first office. It was like she was using like cardboard boxes as like you know to like draw on and and do her art. And um, it, yeah, it just seems like very kind of low budget considering you know what if you look up like Rockstar today and what it's become. Sure, and I mean one of the questions that I had for you, sort of prepared, was. Um, why would a game publisher hire two full-time graphic designers? Um, but I actually think that I have answered that question by looking elsewhere in this press kit. Um, <clears throat> so I'm actually just going to read this document. It's not super long, but it's 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 like three paragraphs. Um, but I actually think it's important to understand this context of like what Rockstar was trying to be at this time. Uh, so this is... I mean, we don't know exactly when this is written, but the file date is from 99. This is basically when Rockstar is like publicly announcing themselves. So the document's called Rockstar Games, The Philosophy. Rockstar Games is a video games label that boasts a team of powerful, imaginative people drawn together from all areas of the entertainment industry, featuring great titles with edgy content, lol, alongside nightclubs, concerts, and raw street-level promotion will allow for a continuity of cool never before seen in the gaming industry. The impact of video games on young people worldwide is undeniably huge, but those in the industry remain anonymous. Rockstar intends to give their audience unprecedented access to the personalities behind their favorite games and to inject a healthy dose of much-needed glamour into the industry. Rockstar products and activities will enjoy street-level recognition currently alien to large manufacturers of video games. Rockstar will deliver a level of inventiveness to match that of the best boutique record labels and cutting-edge clothing lines. The branding of Rockstar is designed to establish a gaming lifestyle, worlds apart from the gaudy futuristic logos and sterile marketing techniques of our competitors. Our activities, apart from releasing video games, are intended to stand in their own right and do not serve merely as trans transparent promotional tools. 
Rockstar is an ambitious exercise in awareness building. That's a strong statement. Beginning with underground acceptance, Rockstar's presence will soon be felt by the informed lifestyle consumer, closely followed by the existing mass market for interactive culture. We at Rockstar wholeheartedly believe that the ambition we display is completely justified given the exceptionally talented people we have assembled. So this is a lifestyle brand, right? This is not a video game publisher. And to me, like that answers my question. That is why you have full-time designers in-house. It's funny that you mentioned the, uh, yeah, the nightlife. Yeah. Because another feature that I did for for Fanbyte, like maybe like a year or two ago, was about Rockstar Loft, was about their nightlife. Like, um, Oh, that's right. I I forgot you did this. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So like um, a big thing for years was that the only kind of reference to it was that, you know, like at the time, a few kind of New York, the New Yorker and, New York Times or whatever covered the uh, the first event and was very kind of like, you know, there are cooler parties elsewhere. And that became kind <laughs> of the narrative about it. Like it was just kind of a bit of a failure, but it went on for like several different like um, events. They kept doing them until they just kind of, um, I spoke to Jamie King, one of the co-founders, and he just said it just got a bit too much that they were trying to do a nightlife thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, for Fanbyte, I spoke to all the DJs that played it, and a lot of them, I, I, I mean, a lot of them gave credit to Rockstar um, and said it was like, you know, they seemed informed. Because if you go back um, in the history, uh, it's not really, I don't even think it's really been mentioned much, but I think a lot, a lot of people know Sam Hauser and Dan Hauser uh, both kind of worked for um, like music labels uh bmg i think interactive were kind of kind of uh the original publishers of gta kind of uh stemmed from a a music label uh but terry donovan another co-founder his uh dad was like a famous photographer as well but he was uh uh, i think in birmingham or the midlands in the uk he was a, a kind of prominent like dj um so the idea that they would go on and you know as they're starting kind of a game studio be like Oh yeah, and we're also doing like a nightlife kind of experience. Is uh, it makes sense? And uh, I think the funny thing was when I reached out to Karen, she was like, "Oh yeah, I'm in the pictures from the New York like Times article or whatever that you linked to. Like I'm dancing in it." And she designed a lot of those uh, flyers that they kind of gave out for the events and stuff. And um, because her and Jeremy were basically the the art people for it. Um, there's also, I don't know if you've ever seen, have you ever seen the, um, there's kind of like a mock kind of country club type website thing that they had at the time for Rockstar Warehouse, where they kind of, uh, for years, like people took it kind of earnestly, but apparently it was a satirical thing where they set up the website to be like, kind of like a snooty kind of posh country club kind of cricket wear and stuff like that. That's the original. Sounds just like the kind of stuff they do like for GTA. Like Yeah, it's like (laughs) it was the original Rockstar Warehouse website, I think. And I've tried to find it through Wayback Machine and stuff like that. And I've I've only found like um kind of uh yeah screenshots of it. Um but I asked Karen about it and she designed all that material and she just went, oh yeah, that was totally just Rockstar taking the piss and being like, you know, that's kind of yeah that's kind of what they were doing at the time um but yeah it it's it's interesting to see kind of the approach they were taking because it was very much like 
we want to be kind of more than just kind of a game games yeah, like publisher we want to be something that people can look at and be like we get that sense of humor or we relate to that kind of brand i don't know it's really interesting to me i, I never really had thought had put much thought into you know what the, the ethos of rockstar was at least in the at the inception because it is just kind of its own thing now like it's the people who make grand theft auto um but um it's like it reminds me of not not at all in like the the branding and tone and everything, but it, it it almost reminds me of what a company like Annapurna Interactive is now, right? It's like we're sort of an indie label um, for games, and and we're kind of a lifestyle brand almost in that sense. I don't think they quite like take it to that next level where they do anything beyond games, but it 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 does seem like they were trying to be an indie record label. Uh, for video games by you know literally taking record label cues and, and and doing like you know practically like record release parties and stuff like that as as events and um i i still think it's an okay idea um but i don't know how you do that in 99 based around video games it just kind of seems a little out there maybe even now yeah, and one one of the interesting things was speaking to uh, like uh, Ray Larrabee, who works at Rockstar Canada, and he kind of experienced like if you know the history of like Rockstar Canada, it was taken over by like I think like three different companies in the space of like five years. So it was like Game Tech Canada. Um, I think before that, it had a different name, and they were basically because. Uh, the big thing about the Rockstar logo is that every company under the Rockstar umbrella gets a new logo. That's essentially the same logo, but with like a different colored background. Um, so uh, Rockstar Canada, they were like kind of relieved when they saw the logo. Cause they were like, finally, we've got someone who actually has like an idea of like what they're marketing and, and yeah. kind of has an idea of marketing our games. Whereas before it was pretty much like a, on a whim, like whether, people would actually understand the type of games that they were they were making or like how to sell them. Um, and incidentally, he's actually gone on now to be like a typographer, <laughs> like <laughs> into typography. So uh, I sent him the logo. I was like, what's your thoughts on it? And he responded like a, a, a like a typical uh, like typographer. Uh, he was, he was like, Chris, like analyzing like the font style and the font type and like <laughs> yeah and just giving like tons of feedback and it, it's interesting to hear from them because yeah it, it was kind of adapted later on like that logo into so many things I don't think even what was remarkable is I don't think Karen even knew it was still being used today yeah um she was like you know maybe they've changed it now or like maybe they've done something else with it because I think uh, I, I'm not sure whether she like followed kind of what happened with Rockstar after, like she must have. Did she leave kind of... pretty early on? She um she left in I believe 2001 because she was okay preg- pregnant. So she just kind of yeah at the time like uh like in the the piece we go into this, but like it was kind of a chaotic company. Yeah. And I guess it still was as it grew because of obviously things that have come out. But at the time, it was like a group of maybe like eight to 10 friends, including the co-founders. And she was like, you know, people, we would get thrown out of bars and we'd get thrown out of restaurants because the people would, you know, try and start fights and things like that. And it, it was just kind of, 
kind of like culture clash at the time of these Brits kind of going over to America and thinking, you know, not thinking, oh, people have guns or, (laughs) you know, Karen said, you know, she had to remind them that basically, you know, people have guns here, whereas in like the UK, you know, it's only farmers, (laughs) like, (laughs) so, uh, and and things like that. But um, yeah, it's, it's just kind of interesting to, to kind of hear from her because it seems like, yeah, people have kind of completely overlooked like the the art or who did the art for those early games. Um, and you can kind of see from these these logos that you've shared, like because um, Jeremy Blake also did the uh, the artwork for the character in GTA London, and he looks kind of very similar to the uh, mm. character here. So um, let's move on to the other logo that you've done an article on. Um, this is the rareware logo that I just associate with the opening of Donkey Kong Country. Maybe I just haven't played enough rare games, but uh, one that, that I kind of associate with 90s rare. Is that is that fair? Or, or how long was this one used? Yeah, it's it's pretty much the like 90s logo. Yeah, like yeah. Um, it's pretty much and the uh, one that you you poisoned everyone's minds with by making them unable to unsee the golden toilet roll. I mean, it's it's amazing <laughs> that like because that's the story that I've heard from a lot of people, like in terms of like the people who have kind of responded about the logos that they've created is that it's very subconscious that they design a logo and then afterwards they find out, you know, where they've seen the shape or like the the, the image of that logo before. So I, I reached out to Kev Bayless, who was one of the senior artists at, at Rare. And, and a former, he, uh, former uh, guest on this very show. Oh yeah, he's he he he's basically um, super super charitable with his time in terms of yeah. talking about this stuff, and that's great really for <clears throat> anyone who has like even a passing in- interest in like uh, video game history. But he um, he basically just yeah responded with this massive kind of story about how he designed the rare logo, and again it was like the idea that it's got to be a pin, it's got to fit on a pin because. I imagine you've come across a lot of these, but like nineties, like video game pins were like a huge thing for like well, the trade shows. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And trade yeah. shows. And um, like we've evaluated um, to, you know, I'm not gonna say collections, but, but the material kept by two people in the games industry who went to CES every year. And both of them just had a massive amount of these pins. Like that, that was just a thing or like, actually, I can think of another one. Yeah, I can think of three people I know who went to every CES and all three of them have just tons and tons of these pins. And they're actually on eBay all the time. Also, if you go looking yeah. like I do. So um, I think because, um, yeah, what was interesting is like, you know, like Tim Stumper as well. He's like posting a ton of stuff online. But the original Rare logo, or at least one of the earliest ones, uh he um was was an actual it was like a deer and i first saw that on a letter that kev bayless had posted and then i believe they changed to rare designs on the future and then it was like oh we need a new logo and i believe it was a colleague of kev's like basically um had a swing at doing the logo and he came in he went uh it's it's not great and after getting kind of, uh, yeah, telling off for basically criticizing a colleague's work in, in front of everybody, he it was like, you know, you do better. So he got a shot at kind of 
creating something and um well, I, I want to point out real quick that the thing I thought was interesting was that first crack at the logo. I mean, you know, we don't have a photo of it or anything, but like uh, he describes as being um, sort of like that era of like tri-color, you know, like PlayStation 1-esque, uh, you know, like that That was a very stylish, that, that was a style at the time. And so I think it's... Um, you know, like we were talking about how things are, are influenced by what's what's going on around them. And I think that, um, you know, like we we might have had Kev not, you know, <laughs> insulted it in front of everyone. Like we we might have had a rare logo that was not as iconic because it looked, you know, more similar to just sort of like what video game logos were doing at the time or just logos in general. I don't know if that might have been a, a trend like, you know throughout all yeah. kinds of different products and like like you said like the the whole thing about like the toilet roll angle and it's like i'd never associated it with, with that as a kid and i don't see it I'm, I'm just i don't see it i'm looking at i don't see a toilet roll where's this toilet roll it's the uh i've, I've got to get the logo up now it's quite embarrassing to, <laughs> toilet uh... rolls don't have rounded edges no, it's, so it's roll? like a hanging toilet roll and like you're pulling the toilet paper down. And I mean, if you need a better illustration of it. Oh, uh, oh I'm you, sorry. The, yeah, the yeah. R itself. I was looking at yeah. the, the R shape. Itself. No, so, the R oh, itself. Oh, that's a toilet is a, roll. That's a golden <laughs> toilet roll. It's a golden toilet roll. <laughs> so like uh, a big thing was Rare even like later acknowledged it. Wow, that's what uh, The Conquer Bad, Conquer's uh, Bad Fur Day remake, I think... Uh, trying to remember what it, the name was changed to it was live and uncut i think it changed to live, live and, and reloaded. reloaded yeah like there's actually a, a bit where it's like a toilet roll flapping in the wind and then it changes into the rare logo so they like knew and recognized what it was but that's what kev was saying he was saying that after he designed it after everyone like signed off on it after everyone was happy with it he basically was in the airport and um he he saw it on like a plane or something and and it was like just for the toilets like as a symbol to represent like you know like toilet paper or like and it was the same with uh when he was at like um uh like a, a petrol station or something and he saw it for like hand towels and it just seems to be a universal symbol that people use that shape to be like you know oh yeah you can get like some some paper and it's it's interesting because when I spoke to uh, Seamus Blackley about the Xbox One, it was similar with them that they got the logo back for Xbox and they were like, this is similar to a logo that I've seen in Heathrow, but with a different color. So I, I think like a lot of logo designers are just getting their ideas from airports. So it's just like, it just pops <laughs> up that people like, I guess people in the games industry are on planes so often that it's just like, all right. <laughs> And the subconsciously, I mean, icon design is so fascinating. Like, you know, the the fact that like that is a um, you end up with a very similar looking icon to represent like all manner of paper products that come on a roll, you know, and like in different contexts and stuff. Like, um, you know, good logos are iconic. That's where that that word comes from you know so like mm -hmm. i i don't know i think i think that's just i I, st I think that's still like good logo design it's just uh yeah we get we get our 
um, inspiration from unexpected places sometimes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, me- immediately after we published that article, it was like just a ton of people going like, my childhood is ruined. You've ruined this for me. I can never look at this logo the same. I definitely never saw it until the title of your article. And I was like, oh my God, you're you, right. You got the, everyone got to hear me see it for the first time. Is that, I was looking at the overall <laughs> shape. Like I was looking at, you know, the the if listeners can imagine it, it's that sort of uh, uh, vertically oriented with rounded edges. And like, that's not a toilet paper roll. What is, but it, yeah that R is a toilet paper rolls being, being, uh, uh, pulled on vigorously. Um, so, I mean, I, I think the, the under style, we, which is wrong. It's the wrong way to mm. orient toilet paper. <laughs> so that's the official statement of the video game history foundation. Okay. The toilet paper is rolls there, is there a stance oriented for, with the over. Is there a stance for, I don't pay attention how I put it on the roll. <laughs> that's <laughs> no stance at all. You are a toilet paper centrist. Yeah, that's right. Um, anyways, I mean, I think I think the interesting part of this this story is that um, Kev was just like an art, like he was doing the literal game art, and wound up being you know this iconic logo designer, like kind of by accident. And I'm I'm realizing that that is where a lot of logos come from. Um, you know, there are some there are some that hire design firms and stuff. And then there are some where it's just like an internal guy. Um, I was recently talking to uh, someone who worked at Nintendo and ended up doing a lot of their logos for uh, the American side in like the early 2000s. So um, he made the Animal Crossing logo, which is like still being used. They just tack on little things to it every time. Yeah, now. that's and, amazing. Yeah. And, and Excite Bike and that sort of thing. And he was I mean, Basically, he was like, oh, yeah, I just started in QA and eventually was doing like packaging design and manuals and stuff. And then then made the freaking Animal Crossing logo that is still being used. It's like it is just a very I don't know. I, I guess I wasn't expecting it to be this random, um, especially at a place like Nintendo or like Rare, where like these are very uh, or Rockstar. <laughs> where it's like these are very, uh, you know well-known well-respected studios um and sometimes they're still just coming from like random internal artists yeah i mean another place that i've because i mean i've done more research than i've actually put out there yet but like dma design was was done by someone inside the company they had like an internal competition and it was essentially just like an artist won out and everyone kind of submitted their uh the designs and he designed the DMA man, which is like kind of like you always see it kind of animated, mm-hmm. um, which is like kind of like, uh, yeah, it's it kind of forms the shape of a man. It's like DMA, the letters with different colors, and it's very cute, if not yeah. And uh, that's kind of indicative of that kind of like early 90s kind of logo design, like the three colors, and like, yeah, that's the, that's the three colors right there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's yeah, he 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 said it was just like a lot of photocopying a lot of like coloring in <laughs> and and it, he was very like dismissive about it um but yeah it seems to be the case for a lot of like 90s companies and then if you go back to 80s companies that's when typically it was like people reaching out to yeah design firms and and stuff and then if you go even further back there's stuff like sega which is just like um they adapted an already existing font so like the 
Sega is like the double uh, Yagi, uh, which is named after the guy who actually made the font. I think it was like a, a photo star font. Yeah. Um, and over the years, it's just been like slightly adapted and slightly adapted to the point where now if you compare the font type, which is used on like CNN and places like that to Sega, it is slightly different. Um but Capcom's that, the same way. It's a pretty common font. Uh, I think the 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 most famous non-Capcom example would be Jeopardy. Um, not the logo, but like the like when like the on the screen logo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like st- the font is the same oh. as Capcom. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. it's not to, not to take this back to me, but I just like you know that that logo refresh for digital eclipse really was just me going like mm, we need a new one <laughs> like messing around you're not even like an, I am a not, staff artist <laughs> no i i am not an artist by is that the one we still use today that's the current one yeah so um it's the i mean what what you're seeing is not literally exactly what i did but it's extremely close like i yeah. i handed that to um the original designer the suite next door and she just kind of she changed the font. Um, I'm, not, I'm not personally a fan of that font, but um, she changed the font. Um, what I was trying to do was make it look more, um, more like a, a a film thing, like like not exactly. Well, like I kind of had like the old Janus Films logo in mind, not with the design, but with the like when that comes up, it's just this vibrant white on black and and looks very like respectable. So I, I had this like this other font anyway point is that like it, it's the same thing right where it's just like i don't know i'll just make one <laughs> you know and, so you and there's essentially what i made and like i don't even like it like i i i think the shape i think it's like weighted really weirdly when i look at it now it looks like it's off kilter like I, I wish someone else had done something better with it but it's it's stuck and that's just our logo now i was just gonna say like so you weren't thinking like hotel room in parentheses trashed Pale no. backstage <laughs> noise. Groupie. Oh, I was thinking. Um, uh, no, actually, I, I did have something similar. I didn't literally like write down like inspiration board words, but um, I was trying to make it more of a like because the the brand at the time. I think they've 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 kind of used this for other things, but at the time it was just like. Um, criterion collection of games, you know, like it, it's yeah. like respectable um like we're treating these like film restoration um and in fact i think some early treatments i did was like digital eclipse uh game restorations or something or like or i I think i did one that was like digital eclipse game mfg like period i don't know i was like like trying to do a more like like make you think differently about games sort of thing but um i don't know like i feel like i'm i'm rambling but it's very on topic i suppose right where it's yeah. just like no, this it's, is how I mean, it comes from i didn't even i didn't even make that connection even though i knew you made that logo that like it is yeah i didn't think about it until we were talking today yeah <laughs> you know, like oh yeah i made that <laughs> and then it's not like a huge leap from like I, you know i i think we always think of uh companies like nintendo and stuff is like well they have their like they've got their together like so yeah. they probably have a a logo firm that they use or whatever. And nope. it's like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they, maybe they do for, you know, really big stuff. I mean, this guy, um, but you know what? This guy did the Metroid prime logo. That's pretty huge. Yeah. 
like uh, and that's like the the big thing is like there was a I don't know whether it was like a Tumblr account or something like ages ago that just had those kind of shapes of like the Animal Crossing logo without any of the text. It was just like black against like a white background or white against a black background. And oh, and does like, it pass can, the silhouette test? Yeah, and you just yeah, that's Animal test. Crossing. That's you can, cool. You can be like, oh yeah, that's like. But like uh, going back to kind of what you were saying about it being just kind of a lot of the time just random people. Another piece I did, which kind of is hidden inside the the thing, because it's kind of more about how EA Sports as a brand kind of came about. Um, yeah, like the EA Sports logo, original one, kind of just came about because, um, yeah, it, it was essentially like someone knew a San Francisco designer because they're wives knew each other so it was like oh he does design work he can do like the at the time it was like the ea sports network logo and um and again like going back to kind of what kelsey was saying about like um yeah a lot of these stories aren't just like person designs logo it's like there's other aspects to it and um yeah and um it, it like the aspect there was like the fact that there was a lawsuit in, or like a threat of a lawsuit between uh, ESPN and EA Sports where EA Sports Network, which was the brand name that they originally used, was too similar to ESPN that they were like, you've got to, you've got to change it. And um, they asked, uh, I believe, uh, Don Transeff, like um, how much the brand was already worth to them having printed like a few games or like published a few games with that logo. And he just came up with a figure off the top of his head, like, you know, oh, a couple of million or whatever, or like 10 million. And ESPN, like eventually that's how they got their first television campaign was ESPN came back to them was just like, okay, well you change the logo and we'll give you like, like uh, commercial time on our network, um, which obviously at the time was a big deal because like, I don't think mm-hmm. many publishers were, were kind of, yeah, advertising on TV, um, but yeah, it's just these all these different. This is a great story. Like, I, like I hope you convert this into a feature at some point because this is oh, really cool. This, this is already yeah. out, but it's it's out okay. under. I I didn't put logo in the title. It's kind of like more like, <laughs> uh, yeah, like EA Sports <laughs> is uh, it, it, kind of how the birth of EA Sports kind of came together. And, we actually uh, have a, a, a small story about that logo, which is... Um, I was just about to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, do you want to tell the story? <laughs> oh, sure. Uh, yeah, when we were uh, when we were at Ed Semrat's house, he had um, an e- EASN uh, like leather jacket that they had given out um, to, to press and stuff. He was um, the editor-in-chief of uh, EGM at the time. And Oh, to uh, put this into context, this is what, like 92 or something like that, right, Jack? Like somewhere around there? Yeah, it's like, uh, I think it's like 91, 92 that they, because like, if you go back 91, I think they still have games coming out under ES. I think that's right. And the the reason I'm bringing this up is that Ed presented this as one of his favorite jackets that he still wears. I think that's (laughs) important for you to understand that about Ed. Anyway, go on. That's that's another aspect of that piece, um, which was that like originally uh, like don don said to me like uh the producers probably aren't happy that that this is how he, he kind of uh yeah said that it came about but originally a lot of the producers were like very kind of 
segmented in terms of working on sports games and the idea between a few people at EA to kind of have this sports brand that was kind of like a television network he said that he had to bribe the producers so one of the things that he did was he made EA Sports uh yeah network jackets and stuff and he basically (laughs) said no you can't get the swag unless you have you know like our logo at the start of your game and you know on your packaging so he he basically created oh, this wow. amazing kind of video game swag. So I imagine that's kind of or how if you're the EIC of one of the leading video game magazines, we're yeah, trying right. to like make you like us, yeah. Yeah, but he said he would wear it to all of the events long after the uh, thing had changed, and the EA uh, representatives would like you know flag him down and be like, "Take that off! You can't wear <laughs> you that! You can't wear that! <laughs> <laughs> we settled this." <laughs> And that's unfortunately where the the recording stops for this episode of the Video Game History Hour. Um, So the service we used, we didn't know when we started this episode, uh, just started some kind of monthly hard limit. We fixed it. We're we're, we're paying the money now. Uh, This won't happen again, but we couldn't fix it in time for this episode. So uh, since Jack couldn't be here to say it himself, I'll tell you exactly where to find him on the internet. Head on on over to timeextension.com. Or on Twitter, they are uh, time extension 64, I believe. Did I get that right? Let's see. Twitter.com slash time extension 64. Yes, time extension 64 on Twitter. And uh, thank you again, Jack, for joining us on the Video Game History Hour. And uh, thank you all for listening. We'll, we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Video Game History Hour brought to you by the Video Game History Foundation. If you have questions or comments for the show, you can find us on Twitter at Game History Hour or email us at podcast at gamehistory.org. Did you know that the Video Game History Foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit and that all of your contributions are tax deductible? You can support this podcast and all of our other work on Patreon or at gamehistory.org slash donate. This episode of the Video Game History Hour was produced by Robin Kunamune and edited by Michael Carroll. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.